The inner child piece, it just made me think, we, we interviewed someone the other day and she has always been so connected to her inner child. It's like she has always been connected to her six-year-old self and I feel like we are kind of trained to, like you said, just kind of prune away um, parts of ourselves to be more mature, you know, when we're going in our, into our teen years, going off to mm. school, et cetera, et cetera. And then now in this manifestation work, we're like, okay, let's go back to our inner child and our younger self mm-hmm. and, um, you know, kind of do the work there. So, yeah, I'm just kind of curious what the just digging in a little bit deeper on that inner child work and why that is so important and the connection to, um, yeah, our early life experiences, especially with our parental figures and how that affects our self-worth, how that affects um, how we relate to people and how we relate to opportunities uh, that are, you know, coming for us. Yeah, so one of the things that Lacey thought was really interesting is that you only really need one positive adult role model in your life to have that chance to grow your healthy neural architecture. And it doesn't even have to be one of your parents. It can be a teacher, it can be a social um, you know, club leader or a re- religious leader. Um, but basically, there is usually one person that stands out as the person that gave you love, that, that you, was a role model for you, for what you could, would be as an adult or what life was like out there in terms of how they resp- reacted to things. And like I said, the pathways that have been there the longest tend to be the strongest. You know, it's like neurons that fire together, wire together. There's even a body of research called ghosts in the executive suite, which means that by the time people are CEOs, they're still being driven by these childhood patterns if they haven't been resolved. And so inner child work is about going back and resolving that. And it's not, it's not like changing your memory. And this is one of the really like sticking points that we solved with the neurosciences. It's changing the emotion that you hold around certain memories or certain relationship patterns. Um, so for example, if somebody raises their voice and that always sort of makes you shake and sweat that you know that could be for a reason for something that happened from your childhood then you can't ever change the fact that there may have been domestic violence in your household when you were a child but you can change how you feel emotionally and then how that shows up in your body when the same thing happens again later in your life and you know the way that Lacey suggests healing um, around that is that you go back to that moment and that you um, act as if you're the parent of your inner child and do you know protect the child from what they experience so I think that's similar to what your your Mm. friend does I wonder what's happening there with the brain then I guess with like the neural transmitters I guess if there's a neural pathway that is incredibly active that is the trauma experience that is sort of running the show. Is it then, I guess, what's happening? So those sorts of trauma experiences relate to what we call the survival emotions, which are fear, anger, disgust, shame, and sadness. And the disgust can be self-disgust. And there's a lot of self-loathing in people who have experienced abuse of any kind in their childhood. And those emotions correlate with cortisol and adrenaline. 
both of which um, over different periods of time. So adrenaline is very short term. Cortisol is, is sort of medium to long term push you into the fright, flight, fight state, or in the modern day, we see more freeze rather than, you know, you're less likely to actually um, run away or um, actually physically assault someone, but you're much more likely to be in a, an important situation where somebody asks you something that you actually know and you just cannot recall it. So your brain kind of tends to let you down in those important situations. And so the way that the nervous system works is that apart from the brain and spinal cord, of course, there are nerves that go all around your body into all of your organs, your muscles, and um, particularly large supply to your gut and around your heart. And so the nerves that are around your heart, um, either through your heart rate, which obviously if it's higher, that's more likely to be to do with adrenaline, if it's lower. Um, and so an adrenaline is the sympathetic nervous state which is the fight fight flight state and the the slower heart rate which is the parasympathetic state is the rest and digest state so that's how you feel like after you've had a lovely meal it's how you feel when you're really ready for bed it's how you feel when you're just having chilled out time with your loved ones um and so it can be two things it can be that you're not very used to feeling like that because you didn't experience a lot of that in your childhood or because it's repetition and emotional intensity, it can be that there were periods of um, feeling perfectly at ease in your childhood, but the emotions are focused on these particular pivotal points of, of really, you know, see, seeing something negative, having a huge flood of cortisol that actually alters the way that your, your neurons communicate with each other and, and the way that your brain pathways go. So somebody who did experience childhood trauma is actually more likely to be affected by bad news, for example, that we were talking about earlier. And we know that people who repeatedly watched images of the Twin Towers falling on television, even people that had no connection to New York, didn't lose a loved one, that they could get PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And the chances are that their threshold for getting PTSD was lower perhaps, and somebody who had, hadn't experienced much trauma in their life before. Thank you so much for tuning in to Morning Microdose by Almost 30. We hope you enjoyed waking up. As always, we encourage you to take what resonates and leave the rest. If you enjoyed this trip, tune into the full episode on the Almost 30 podcast. All episode information can be found in the show notes. Make sure to subscribe. And if this becomes a part of your morning routine, be sure to share it with a friend. We have new inspiring doses Monday through Friday. Follow us on Instagram at Morning Microdose and follow Almost 30 at Almost 30 Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the vortex.